lights, camera, acting. Whoa, the world's a stage and poor Tom's a cold. Blow winds and crack thy cheeks for as schoolboys we are to the gods. They kill us for their sport. It's all a go-go on this week's episode of the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. The Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. Tenakoto, tenakoto, tenakoto katoa. Welcome to the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. Call Josh Edison, toko ingua. I don't know how to do that in the third person, so you'll have to introduce yourself. Well, you're just putting a whole bunch of stuff on me now, having been completely unprepared for this quite wonderful Toreo Māori greeting that Josh is offering for himself, but not for me, Dr. M.R.X. Dentist. And I should be introducing myself in Toreo Māori, because I do know how to do a kind of pipiha to introduce myself, but I'm momentarily drawing a blank, which is very embarrassing, because it is... Tareo Māori Week here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. So we should just chuck a bit on the front there, just for... We should. Mm. And I've just let the entire side down. So that's the end of today's episode, just out of pure embarrassment. Thank well, you, Joshua, for everything you've done. Indeed. If I, well, if, if, if I was slightly more knowledgeable, I would be able to say not just my name is, but another person's name is. But I can't. Because basically all I... Just look at you with condemned eyes episode long that's with our glorious lighting Ooh, it's so light in here almost almost too light but not well actually it might actually not, it might be a little bit too Probably. much light we as you may notice if you're watching the video version and not listen to the podcast if you do notice it on the podcast congratulations you have superhuman abilities to detect light levels via audio we now have a light rig Ooh. for lights Two of which aren't working at the moment because their batteries have drained whilst we were setting up the episode yep. playing around with the lights. So next week will be four lights. This week Fully we charged. only have two. And mm-hmm. they are burning my rattlers. My rattlers? My mm. rattlers? Yes, my rattlers and my retinas. You don't you don't want to know my, what my rattlers are mm. as I speak. But I will soldier on because I've already spent time in front of an LED light earlier this week when I was being interviewed for the spin-off TV on the way to K-Bug. More on that when I see the finished article. Oh. Uh, yes, yeah, so, and, and it, uh, it must be said that this brand new lighting rig um, it was paid for by you, the noble listeners, or at least those of you who, who are patrons. Yes, um, for those of you who are donating money towards the podcast, it is paying for this lighting rig, which will hopefully eventually pay for proper lapel mics, which will make our recording even better, and of course, the creme de la creme, makeup, stage makeup. We are Mm. going to get Josh all Caesar Romero Mm. and make sure that he's got a nice pasty white face with a, a, a... a grimace. We're going to vaudeville it up in here. I shall be well, tying actually, no, him no. to some railroad tracks and <laughs> oh, twirling a moustache. Oh. Mm. Railroad tracks do require a certain mm. amount of Patreon support. Yep. But if you do want to support us in continuing to improve this podcast, then please throw money towards us. And this week, we're changing things yet again. We are mm. changing the schedule. For the better. I or see. for the worse. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Yes. In that now, we're going to do this preamble. Then we go straight into the content, and then we're going to end on the news, which is quite convenient, because now we're doing the extended news as kind of a patron update special. We can do the scheduled news, 
and then we can have a bit of a riff on the news we find interesting we haven't covered in the episode proper. Mm. So, where normally I would say, well, let's get into the news, now I guess we say, well, let's get into the episode. Yep, let's look at junk science and the way that evidence plays a role in conspiracy theories about the suppression of junk science. Ah, junk science. See, so with a little bit more patron money, we could actually get Ongo Boingo to do some sort of cover of the old weird science movie that theme. Require, actually, I would say that would require a lot of money. I don't uh, think it requires a lot of money to get Oingo Boingo to do anything these days. Do you know who Oingo Boingo is, though? That was Danny Elfman's band. Really? So, yeah. So he's, he's possibly... Might be outside of our pay scale. He's got ideas know. well above the station. That's, he does. that's all I'm going to say. He does. Anyway, we're going to be talking about, about science, particularly science of the junk variety, particularly junk science as, as sort of spurred by uh, the legal system, which is not a follower of the scientific method so much as it is not that. A follower of the scientific mm. method. I think you, you could have just ended the sentence there. Yeah, so yes, we're going to be talking about a number of su- subjects this week. We're going to talk about autism. Which is, of course, a highly uncontentious topic no. that will cause no feedback whatsoever. Mm. 1080, which is really only a contentious topic here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Agent Orange, which is fairly contentious here, particularly in the region mm. of Taranaki. And, of course, our final topic, which is, Josh? He doesn't know what we're talking about this episode. The moral. No, no, no. There's, well, there's we've, a... got, we've got autism. We've got ten eighty. We've got Agent Orange. We've got a oh, Roundup. Yes. So that's which the, is the actual the first mo- topic. Actually, actually the motivating thing, which right. is causing the episode, the Roundup nice. thing. So Josh, you, you, you say the last or... topic, and I'm looking at the end of our list. No, I said the when, fourth when... topic. Okay, not the last. Right. The fourth. Fine. The fourth topic, which is the first topic, which is the topic of Roundup. Um, I'm glad to see you're now with the schedule. I, I, so I'm with take it away, Mr. Addison. Okay, so Roundup, I don't know how international that is if it's called something in other countries, but here at least Roundup is a, uh, a herbicide. So it's reported as being Roundup in all of the American press, so okay, I'm assuming well, it's Maybe called it Roundup there as well. Because I still don't have a tablet, I have these really handy little note cards which have, which have things so that when Josh says the name of, I can say, ha Agent Orange! Autism! Yes. Uh, so, um, I mean, it, it, it's a herbicide. It's poisonous, right? Nobody, Nobody's denying that it's probably not a good thing to put into your body. Um, but there have been uh, charges that simple exposure to it can be carcinogenic. Um, Roundup is made by good old Monsanto, now called Bayer. I, I think, think no, so Monsanto was bought, bought out by, out by yeah. Bayer. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, Roundup was created and developed by Monsanto. Bayer now own Monsanto and by extension own Roundup. And by extension would be legally liable for anything caused by Roundup. Mm. So I believe, now this is going to be the theme for this episode, the, the scientific evidence as to whether or not simply being around Roundup uh, can cause cancer is not good. But... Um, on August the 10th of this year, um, which is why we're talking about it now, a jury in California ordered, uh, awarded Dwayne Johnson not, and I can't stress this enough, not Dwayne Johnson, otherwise known as The Rock, but Dwayne Johnson, uh, $289 million in damages. 
Mr Johnson had brought charges against Monsanto or Bayer um, based on the claim that he, he had developed non-Hodgkin's lymphoma because of his exposure to Roundup. Um, he worked as a, as a groundskeeper, so obviously was around um, weed killers quite a bit. Uh, developed non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, claimed that uh, the in active ingredient glyphos glyphosate or glyphosate, I'm not sure if that's a typo or simply my scientific illiteracy, uh, that, that, that is a carcinogen now. That's the claim. Uh, the courts accepted this claim, but that's not the science would tend to disagree. Yeah, so there's been quite a lot of reaction by the scientific community saying, well, look, we've done meta reviews, which are reviews of scientific evidence in total. So you take a whole bunch of individual reports and you produce a meta review based upon those reports. And the science seems to be quite clear. Yes. Don't drink Roundup. That would be a really, mm. really bad idea. But the idea that it's a contributory cause towards cancer really isn't particularly clear at all. But what seems to have happened here was that the court in the US unusually have taken a leaf out of the WHO, who in 2015 put Roundup as being a potential carcinogen. So they put it on a list at the time, saying that Roundup may well be carcinogenic. Now, this particular 2015 report was contentious at the time. So the person who authored the report has been accused of being very selective with the way they use their evidence, ruling out particular samples that would indicate that Roundup is not carcinogenic and only focusing on a subset of the data. And so in 2015, the scientific community said, we don't think the WHO should have done this, but the courts in California have taken the WHO warning and used that in court to basically crucify, not literally, only figuratively, although if only we lived in a world where we could crucify members of large corporations. Ooh. If only we lived world. in that world. What a world, that, what a world that would be. Crucified Monsanto, and juries have awarded this Dwayne Johnson a princely sum Ooh. for a cancer which may not have been caused by Roundup at all. So what's been happening here, Joshua? Well, uh, kind of two things, potentially, and these are things which I think we will be coming back to again and again over the course of this episode. One is that uh, courts and juries in particular are not scientists. They're not actually experts in the issues that are being discussed. Um, another is that the, the uh, what do you call them, evidentiary sort of grounds for a uh, legal ruling are different from those for a scientific ruling. Um, so in the terms of a court case, often it's it's sort of it's sort of balance of probabilities. It's sort of do do we think this this could have been the case? Whereas science is a lot more, you know, we want proof that this is definitely the cause. We can show this is the causal agent. This is how it's happening. So on and so on and so forth. Um, so there's a much a much lower standard of proof in court cases. So that's how these sorts of things can happen. Especially though, in a case like this one, where you have um, you know a, a, a humble groundskeeper versus a giant global nega corporation, there's also the fact that juries will you know like to side with an underdog and so on. Yes, which is understandable. We both hate corporations and everything that they stand for. Mm. And thus, if someone says something bad about a corporation, we're likely to go thumbs up. That's mm. a good thing of you to be saying. But sometimes that kind of 
natural inclination to hate people in power can sometimes bring us awry, or, as the Brits would say, come up a cropper. Mm. Come up a cropper or come a cropper? I came up a cropper once, but I'm not allowed to talk about that. <laughs> um, that's true. Yes. And that was also a groundskeeper. Mm. Uh, Didn't cause cancer, though. No. Mm. That was salacious. Mm. Uh, no. What? Yes. Now, uh, but where it feeds into conspiracy theories, of course, is that there have been these sorts of conspiracy theories around many of the things we're going to talk about today, but uh, uh, ground up among them, that um, these sorts of things... They are carcinogenic or poisonous or what have you. The companies that make them know that they're carcinogenic or poisonous or what have you, but they've been covering it up, and so that's where the conspiracy theories come in. And so when a ruling like this comes along, that allows you conspiracy theorists to jump up and say, ha-ha, look, this proves my conspiracy theory right. The courts have have vindicated me. Yes, so basically what you have here is a classic case of there's always been murmurs about the carcinogenic properties of Roundup, which Monsanto and then Bayer have always denied. As soon as you get a court case like this, people say, ah, oh, it's been proven in a court of law that Roundup causes cancer. Ipso facto, it causes cancer. I'm doing my Alex Jones impression now. Mm. I should be louder for that, really. I but thought it was David it would... Mitchell, to be honest, but... No, he, anyway. That would be more whiny. Was, so does that come across more whiny than irate? Yeah, less, yeah more, more whiny than psychopathically sort of... See, I'm, I'm yeah. used to do a jizz from Peep Show now. Mm, you just don't you understand me, man. You just don't understand me. I put all my effort into this. You don't understand me at all. That's true. Thank you. Anyway, so yes, you get these situations where people go, it's been proven in a court of law, but the thing to note here, as Josh pointed out, Courts of law do not decide scientific matters. They decide where legal responsibility lies. And legal responsibility is at a much lower threshold than actual proof of harm in a scientific setting. So this kind of fits in with the, they're covering it all up, while scientists go, well, no, they're not covering up anything. Because a legal decision says X doesn't mean that X is true. It just means that Legally, these people have been found responsible for something which there's no determinate causal pathway for. Hmm. And then, of course, once you get one case, that sets a precedent for others. I believe there have been numerous rulings um, where women have taken various manufacturers to court claiming that their uh, silicon breast implants gave them breast cancer. Uh, Now, uh, the science is, again, not really on board with that, but more than once and on multiple occasions, courts have... have, um, uh, found for the plaintiffs in these cases. Um, and again, it's that same sort of thing. It's it's different standards. It's, again, sort of sort of um, your, your underdogs. It'll be an individual taking on, if not a, a giant corporation, then at least uh, the medical institution or doctors who are generally sort of surrogate authority figures and so on and so forth. Um, per- perhaps we should move on, though, to some of the, the other... Well, yeah, so let's talk about Agent about. Orange, mm. which is a kind of local issue, although it's also once again a US mm. issue. So Agent Orange is yet another herbicide. Another defoliant. Uh, it was used quite extensively in Vietnam. Yes. I always get my, my yep. Southeast, Southeast Asia conflicts mixed up. Its actual name is, I'm going to attempt this, and usually my attempts at this go very, very badly, Dude, is 245 trichlorophenyl oxyacetic acid. Sounds about right to me. Yeah. And 
It was, for a period of time, manufactured in the Taranaki region of the North Island of Aotearoa, New Zealand. And at the time it was being manufactured, there was a noticeable uptick in birth defects in that region, which had led for a long period of time people theorising that Monsanto, once again, is covering up the fact that Agent Orange causes birth defects. And of course this wasn't aided in any way by the fact that Monsanto paid out to veterans of the Vietnam War in the US, not actually substantial, but they paid out compensants for long-term illnesses accrued, apparently due to that war, apparently due to Agent Orange. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's a tricky one. It's, there's a lot of a lot of just sort of statistical data, a lot of anecdotal data. I mean, my, my father-in-law served in Vietnam, and he reckons that he and every man he served with have cancer. Uh, but it should be said that they are all in their 60s and 70s now, so it's not um, uh, with that beyond the realm of probability, but still it is, it is um, a bit of an eye-opener. And again, we have uh, a statistical... Um, rise in the number of birth defects at the time. Uh, I believe from a scientific standpoint that's simply just being thought of as a bit of a, a bit of a blip. Yeah, so there actually has been an investigation by public health professionals in Aotearoa, New Zealand, looking at that brief uptick in birth defects in the Taranaki region at the time. It said, yes, it is true there was an uptick, but it does appear to be a statistical blip because at other points in time there's a higher incidence rates in other parts of the country where Agent Orange wasn't being produced. And there are also a bunch of other health-related reasons to think that these birth defects might be part of that population generally rather than the introduction of a contaminant, which gets us back to the whole Vietnam War thing, Mm. which is, once again, these are people of a particular age from a point in time where maybe people weren't looking after themselves in the same way we are now, in a medical system that wasn't quite aware of the kind of illnesses people can suffer from. So it can appear that there's a generation of people with illnesses associated with a particular conflict but in comparison to people of that age that weren't in the conflicts in the first place, their symptoms actually don't appear to be all that abnormal. Q mm. now, the people who fought in Vietnam or know Vietnam vets, writing in to say that we're getting this completely wrong. Yeah, now I, I don't actually know. Where, where is the science when it comes to Agent Orange? I, I wasn't aware that science has ruled out the idea that it could be carcinogenic. I just, but I don't know. I don't believe it has been... Uh, again, conclusively proved. But we get to back to the court cases again, because, as you say, the American courts have um, paid out a settlement to a group of American Vietnam War veterans. Now, we should point out, these settlements were not due to a jury result. These settlements were before anything went to court. Yes, so here we have another factor in the legal system, of course, which is um, uh, corporations paying to make things go away. Uh, whether or not Monsanto believed they could... Um, prove that, or, or prove or disprove whether or not uh, their Agent Orange had caused cancer, um, it's still not a good look for a corporation to be pitting itself against um, a bunch of, of army veterans. 
Um, and so you get these cases where they are more than willing to pay um, a sum which would probably be a fair amount less than what uh, the damages would be if they actually went all the way through a court case and the ruling went against them. Um, they're willing to pay this amount out uh, to simply make the case go away. But that can still again be jumped on by the conspiracy theorists and say, well, look, here we go. We, here we've got proof. We'd been telling you it caused cancer and that they knew and that they'd been covering it up. And here we go. Now it's all come out in the wash. Shall we move on? Yes, we we have more. We, 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 we may be repeating ourselves somewhat, but it's an interesting. Well, this particular thing one we've actually talked about again again. a lot, which is tenacity, the poison, poison that is almost entirely used here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, because it's a very way to get rid of pest species in our country, mm. because it's a poison which, by and large, targets mammals. And mammals are, apart from three species of bat, bat and species. some aquatic life forms, introduced species which are pests in this country. We are a nation of birds. We sure are. And we are also a nation of cat owners and dog owners who like nothing more than chasing and eating birds and also destroying their nests. And we've also introduced a whole lot of predators like possums and rats, which also enjoy a bit of the old bird eating. And 1080 is a very effective way to get rid of these mammals from our bush. But that hasn't stopped people from claiming that it's all part of a large-scale conspiracy to destroy the human race. In fact, if you can, when you do the video here, Pop up that lovely infographic from Facebook about the rationales that people have for believing that 1080 is a bit of a conspiracy. Yes, a local here um, started going around the, the various sort of Facebook groups, message boards, to see what people were actually saying about 1080. Because like a lot of people will, cl will claim that what, what is said about 1080, that it targets mammals and is therefore harmless to the native bird life, which is what we're actually trying to protect. They'll say those things aren't true. They'll say that it is harming native bird life. And there have been various cases of them um, showing dead birds, which, what was the case a little while ago? They had a bunch of dead kiwi, which had actually, they claimed to have been killed by 1080, but what was the real deal there? They'd been run, the killed by kill stoats or something. Or something. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. And then just recently they dumped a bunch of other native birds on the steps of Parliament, which were all shown to have died of blunt trauma. So roadkill or who the hell knows what else. But anyway. Uh, but it's it's not but we when you actually delve into it, it's not just um, that it's a lot more poisonous than people think. Oh, and of course then you get the case of like hunters will go out into a bush where it would it will it, it will be signposted if ten eighty poison has been dropped in those areas, but they go out there, a hunting dog will eat some ten eighty poison, it will die. And they'll say that's terrible, to which people reply, well, yeah, yeah, dogs are mammals, it kills mammals. There were signs up saying, don't yeah. bring your dogs in here. Yeah, and regions of the bush they put poison. 1080 in, you're not allowed to take your pets into mm. it. So it's not as if it's a drastic conspiracy to kill the mammals off. The government goes, look, we know the mammals are going to die. That's why you're not allowed to take your dogs in there when you go hunting. But I don't think you're allowed to go hunting in well, regions where there are 1080 no, drops no. anyway. Although what's great about this particular graph is... A variety of different theories mm. related to it. One thing that 1080 apparently is used for is to kill inner earthers. Mm. Oh, so much, so much. Which I assume, I'm assuming because they must be cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers, or, or, chuds, the, or chuds, as they're well known. Surely we want 1080 because as we know from Chud 1, no Chud is redeemable. Chud 2 is not canonical. No. Because no. Chud 2 the bud, bud the he's, a, he's, mm -hmm. a, he's a good Chud and that isn't true. Only got uh, Chud's a dead Chud. Then you've got 
it's been used by UFOs. I'm not quite sure how that one works, but someone has made the claim that maybe it's an experiment by UFOs to control the human population. It is, of course, part of the New World Order, mm. but the best one, the one I'd never heard before, before looking at this graph, apparently JFK was killed because he was going to reveal the secret of 1080. Yeah, so they actually, yeah, it's it's well, well beyond... Um, it's being more poisonous than people think it is. You, the, if, if you start looking through um, the anti-1080 boards, as this person did, um, th they managed to tie it to pretty much every conspiracy theory on the run. The, the, um, the pie chart, uh, for those of you listening who do not get to see the graphic here... Um, there will be a link in the, in the description for the podcast. Indeed. Uh, the pie chart lists the, the various rationales of what 1080 is really for. The highest one, 32% of claims... Were, were your Agenda 21 New World Order stuff. It's for uh, population control. It's, it's they're, they're dropping 1080 poison in the middle of the bush where no people go to kill off the human population. I'm not sure how that works. They do I worry it gets into the water supply or something. Now, like this is one of these things I've been thinking about for a while. So when I got back last time and voted in the general election, I noticed that there was running in the North Shore and only the North Shore a person by the name of Miriam running for the Logic Party. And he's going, ooh, I like Logic. I like Logic, yeah. So I had a quick search on my phone to find out what the Logic Party is, and it turns out to be basically an anti-1080 party with a whole bunch of other anti-scientific positions. Now, Miriam, having failed to get elected to Parliament, in that apparently the Logic Party, which once again only ran on the North Shore, and didn't run as a party, but only a candidate for a party, so there's no way to vote for the party, and the party vote got something in the realm of six or seven votes. So not quite enough mm. to get into mm. Parliament, or enough to even be statistically significant on any particular metric. But she has a YouTube channel, and that YouTube channel's all about the evils of 1080, and how water has memory, and how mm. 1080 kills the cells, and also destroys the soul. And the thing is, part of me wants to investigate this and talk about it, but the YouTube channel only has about 100 subscribers, and it seems that basically she only merits this little footnote in a discussion, despite the fact that in a few weeks ago, she was encouraging gangs like the the mongrel mob and the headhunters to attend an Auckland council meeting to disrupt a 1080 drop. So actually encouraging violence to get the council to step in and stop 1080 from being dropped in the bush. Mm. Anyway, so, so that's there's more though. Um, not just Agenda 21, uh, we've got controlling the world, the 1080, the purpose of 1080 is to control the world through um, affecting the food supply, to allow people to mine Department of Conservation land, I'm not sure, are they claiming they're going to kill off all the animals so they can then go in and yes, mine it? Yes, so basically animals are dead, there's no mm. reason to protect that land anymore. Uh, that it's just some sort of money-making scheme involving the government slash New World Order slash Illuminati. Uh, they want to kill all the people so that they can then sell the land that the people lived on. Uh, we're getting now into the into the smaller six six percent and four percent of responses. So these aren't uh, the major ones, but um, eugenics project to create a master human race again. So I assume that's targeted poisoning, uh, a money laundering scheme involving the government, and um, 
Yes, just on and on and on. People, they want to control our land, our water, our mineral assets, and so on and so on and so forth. And to do that, they need to kill off people, and so that's what poison is for. Um, yeah. Now, the thing to note, which ties it into our previous discussions, is that it is true that 1080 does, on occasion, kill birds. So, if a certain amount gets into their food supply for some birds, that can be tragic. It's also true we've modified the recipe for 1080 to make that less likely. So 1080, say proponents, anti-proponents, mm. 1080 adversaries. What's the word I'm looking for? People against 1080. Aggressors? No, I just... No, what's the opposite of proponent? Con... Antagonist? I don't know. 1080 antagonist. Haters. Mm. Well, go, look, it does kill birds, and that's been covered up, but the Department of Conservation has always been very honest. Yes, it does kill birds on occasion. It's just that it's so good at killing predators, and so bad at killing birds, and predators are so good at killing Mm. birds, that we're willing to take a few acceptable losses to preserve the stock as a whole. It is for the greater good. For the greater good... Cook pot for the eating of humans. Yes. Now, so that's 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 uh, Roundup Agent Orange ten eighty autism. Yeah, let's talk about something uncontroversial. Yes. So the autism, and of course the links between vaccine uh, and autism. Now, we've talked about the anti-vaxxer stuff in the past. You all know the deal. Um, basically, Andrew Wakefield nineteen nineties dodgy research struck off. Didn't make a difference. Boys to Men, Char- Charlie Sheen, Jim mm. Carrey. I Jenny know. McCarthy. Yeah. I thought you were going somewhere. <laughs> I said, no? Why did I think just Boys to Men? I, I go, don't know. 80s I thinking, and then vaccines. Because like, then you got to Jim Carrey, and Jim Carrey at least used to go out with Jenny McCarthy. I don't know if they're still a couple. And then Jenny McCarthy, key anti-vaxxer. I thought there was some grand Carrey, scheme. Carrey is still is a generation rescue person. What is so generation rescue? That's the people who claim we have to rescue children from the effects of vaccines. Yeah, I've yeah. heard that one. Um, but, but, so the, the science is, is actually fairly unequivocal on this. Um, there has been no link found. The studies which claimed that a link had been found between vaccines and autism has been thoroughly discredited. Yep, they were in fact fraudulent. The, um, the active ingredient, was it thimerosal? Was that the one that was the thing that supposedly was the active ingredient that caused it? I don't think is used in vaccines anymore. Mercury, which is another one I don't think is used in vaccines anymore or at least not the way you think it is it's not like they put an eyedropper of mercury into it it's just mercury as a as a as a, a, um, a chemical element is involved in some of the chemicals in the same way that that poisonous chlorine is part of table salt and also mer- mer- mercury is part of most of our water supplies as well hmm. but um there have been times when the legal ruling has gone the other way. Yes, so here we get into the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act of 1986, which also created the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, which for some reason is actually abbreviated as VICP. Uh, I suppose they just want, they didn't want to put national in there. This is like the World Series in in the US, Mm. isn't it? Which is a no-fault compensation system. So basically what happened in 86 was that vaccine makers were getting spooked by 
claims against vaccines because on occasion vaccines do cause fairly severe reactions. There's a kind of fit that children have up to two minutes when they get a vaccine, which is quite rare, but is apparently quite disturbing to watch. Mm. And every so often, vaccines also cause brain trauma. I want to say the actual technical word here, but I know I'm going to stumble on it. Encephalopathy? Encephalopathy, yes. Yeah, that, that was almost what I said. Ooh. Almost what I said. And so the compensation program was set up to basically be a no-fault system. It was funded by a trust administered by the American government, whereby if a child was injured by a vaccine, the compensation program would pay out and it would insulate the vaccine makers from what they took to be victatious litigation. The problem is... Every so often, a child with ASD, Autism Spectrum Disorder, gets a payment, and then this is used as proof positive that the government has admitted that vaccines cause autism, and thus there's a major cover-up going on. Ooh. But it's not as, as uh, simple as that. So, I mean, yes, as we say, adverse reactions to uh vaccines are real they happen they're statistically rare um to the point that i guess much like with the 1080 the the, the overall benefits of having a vaccinated population well outweigh the unfortunate um uh, occasional side effects um but when it comes to autism the science isn't there and yet so what let, let, let me get the actual quote here um, so this, this particular court, the, the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, has awarded millions of dollars to at least four children with autism for, quote, pain and suffering um, and lifelong care of their injuries, which together could cost tens of millions of dollars. Um, and so people jumped on that. Look, your anti-vaxxers said, look, here we go. We have a court ruling. They said that vaccines caused autism. Um, and yet the government continues to deny, to deny that. So that must be a, a cover and it must be a conspiracy. But... The actual judgment of this court, although it awarded money to these children, was not that vaccines cause autism. Uh, the findings of this particular court were that the MMR, mumps, measles, and rubella vaccine, um, administered to the children caused vaccine-induced encep encephalopathy. It's usually an opathy, isn't it? Yeah. Encephalopathy, um, which is, again, one of these known um, adverse reactions to vaccines which was found to be unrelated to the diagnosis of um, autism spectrum disorder. So these children had vaccines, they'd had reactions to them, they were compensated for it, they also had um, autism, but the two weren't connected and were, or at least were not found by the court <clears throat> to be connected. Um, but of course, that's not going to stop the anti-vaxxers, even then, they'll just say, oh no. <laughs> I don't know why I have the hiccups all of a sudden. Maybe it was that vaccine I had this morning. <clears throat> I keep telling you, don't have vaccines with your breakfast. Well, Wait an hour. No, after I had a vaccine breakfast. as my breakfast. Oh, I'm not mm. entirely sure I approve of that at all. Yeah. But yes, what we have here is a classic situation whereby you have two correlated events taken to be causal. But of course, any anti vaxxer worth their salt would go, no, 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 no. You see, Autism is a form of brain injury. Ipso facto, if the vaccine caused the brain injury, and autism is a brain injury, it must follow the vaccine caused the autism, which is brain. In 
injury because anti-vaxxers don't take it that ASD is a developmental issue rather than one which is caused by environmental factors. Mm. So there's a lot of muddying the waters between um, encephalopathy and autism. They sort of treat the two as being interchangeable so that a a court ruling that um, a vaccine did cause encephalopathy is then pounced upon to say, look, this court ruling said that a vaccine caused autism. Um, and so, so in fact, even in this case, like in the previous ones where we found we we would look at um, court cases finding uh, a certain thing that wasn't actually backed up by the science, and that's simply because courts and science um, work differently and have different criteria for how they rule on things. In this case, even the science actually uh, doesn't contradict the legal ruling. It's simply that. Um, people have been taking a scientific-sounding ruling and twisting it to suit their own agendas. Isn't that terrible? People twisting things to their own agendas. I would never do such a thing. No, you wouldn't. No, because I, I have no agenda. You also have no science. No. So I'm, I'm perfectly immune, as though I'd been vaccinated Ooh, against science. I like mm. the way you made that transition. Yes. So... What can we say about all this then? Well, the first thing to say is that just because something is decided in a court of law does not tell you it is scientific fact. There is a difference between scientific reasoning and legal reasoning, where the evidential threshold for a judgment under the law is quite a lot lower than the threshold for a judgment under science. In the legal setting, we are very, very risk-averse, and thus will take some evidence as being probable cause. Whilst in the scientific realm, we tend to be very, very on the what does the evidence actually say, and go, well, we need a really high threshold before we're willing to make any definitive conclusion of a causal link between the two things. And so what's interesting here is the difference between a legal conclusion versus a scientific conclusion. Um, So that's about all there is to say, I think, on this particular topic. Um, Don't confuse your legal rulings with your scientific evidence, and you won't muddle up your conspiracy theories. Well, you probably will. don't drink Roundup. No, don't drink Roundup. Or ancient... Orange, don't consume 1080, unless you're a bird, Mm. and well done if you are a bird, if you're watching or listening to this, it is going to cause you a rather violent demise. Mm. And also, please do vaccinate your children. Please do, yes. So, having come to the end of the main section of this podcast, we're now on a dramatic break with tradition, going to go on to the news. We are. It's time to find out what's been happening this week in... Conspiracy Theory News. Breaking, breaking, conspiracy theories in the news. Now, of course, this week isn't just Māori Language Week. It also sees a highly significant anniversary of a terrible and earth-shaking event. Yes, the birthday of our friend Nick, who was born on September 11. Happy birthday, Nick. True, but we have done that joke numerous times before. More relevant for our purposes is the anniversary of the terrorist attacks on September 11th, 2001. As a conspiracy theory podcast, we can't let this go without commenting on it. But, well, is there any actual news about it this year? Eh, not that I've seen. Um, Trump said some silly stuff about it, but what's new there? 
otherwise, truth is going to truth, but um, I'm not aware of any new developments on the conspiracy front. Well then, hold on to your hacks. Uh, oh, okay, hold on, I'm just going in first. <coughs> you see, 9-11 might have been a front to let a doctor disappear. <gasps> Be still, my beating heart. Well, no, not really. It's more likely that Sunia Ann Phillip might have used the chaos of that day in New York to leave her old life behind and start afresh. Officially, you see, Dr. Phillip died a hero that day, likely helping out at Ground Zero and dying along with the other rescuers who perished that day. But unofficially, there are questions as to whether she was even there that day, given that the last time anyone reported seeing her was the day before, and there is security footage from the apartment in which she lived in which a Dr. Philip-shaped figure entered the lobby at the time of the attacks. Okay, um, well this is certainly a 9-11 story, but is it a 9-11 conspiracy theory? Well, maybe. If you redefine 9-11 conspiracy theories as being theories about conspiracies which occurred on September the 11th, 2001, and aren't related to terrorist attacks or false flag operations, you might call this the Andy Bishago of 9-11 hypotheses. That's an in-joke dating back to the last um, US presidential election, dear listeners. Yes. Glorious days. Good Glorious times. days. Good now, times. Dr. Phillips was not having a good time of it what with issues at work and relationship dramas with her partner. So there are reasons to think that maybe she used the events of that day to simply disappear. Indeed, whilst initially she was listed as a deceased first responder in the aftermath of 9-11, a police investigation and medical examiner's report removed her from that list on the basis that there was no reason to think she died that day, given she disappeared a day earlier. But her family and husband fought that decision, and so for the time being, she's definitely not on the run, and they are definitely not covering that fact up. Ooh. Well, that was more of a story for this year's 9-11 anniversary than I was expecting. Uh, moving on, more Brett Kavanagh, and one of my favourite topics, the death of Vincent Foster. One of the many supposed hits from the Clinton kill list. Ah yes, a classic case. There have been a number of stories over the last week about Kavanaugh's time at the Office of Independent Counsel, when he was an independent counsel working with Kenneth Starr on the infamous Whitewater investigation, and how Kavanaugh both peddled and didn't peddle conspiracy theories about the death of Foster. Mm. Yes, uh, Kavanaugh has shown himself to be the Schrodinger's cat of jurists, being able to answer and not answer questions all at the same time. How he does it? Nobody knows. Well, except for the possibility that he's a trained legal mind who realises that actually stating his deeply held beliefs might be anathema to the nation as a whole. But anyway, yes, Starr's predecessor Robert Fisk looked into the claim that Foster, who committed suicide in Fort Marcy Park in 1993, had in reality been murdered as part of a White House cover-up related to White Water. Uh, Fisk's conclusion was that the story was nonsense, and the most likely explanation was suicide, um, especially given Foster's known mental health issues at the time. Yes, this was reiterated by several other reports at the time as well, but when Starr took over the Whitewater investigation, a young Kavanaugh 
encouraged Starr to reopen that aspect of the investigation. This was despite the fact Kavanaugh himself claimed in memos to think that Foster had in fact committed suicide. So why reopen the investigation? Why indeed? For three years, at a cost of $2 million, Kavanaugh investigated a conspiracy theory he did not think was warranted. Um, looking into non-existent Swiss bank accounts, um, having the White House carpets forensically investigated, and questioning Hillary Clinton, obviously, about a purported affair with Foster. Um, and all because he had certain right-wing sources like Reed Irvine, Ambrose Evans Pritchard, and Christopher Ruddy, who were spreading spurious stories about Foster, the Clintons, and Foster's death. Yes, which raises the question, if his predecessors and other independent reports said this theory was unwarranted, why did Kavanaugh insist on reopening that investigation when he agreed with those reports? Why, you'd almost think he was peddling a conspiracy theory for non-partisan reasons. <gasps> Which, if true, um, would be quite the scandal. Finally, what is an episode without some disinformation from our friends at Russia Incorporated? Buy one packet of disinformation and get a topless Putin calendar free. Ooh. Uh, buy none and they'll send you two. That's a, a threat, not a, not a bargain. And what a threat it is. Yes, the UK has released security photos of the two suspected Russian agents they think poisoned Screeples, which for watches at home, Josh will throw up on the screen right about now. That is, I'll throw the pictures up. I'm not going to throw up onto the screen. Podcast listeners can check out a link in the article in the show notes. Please. Uh, so, assuming you're, you're looking at these pictures right now, um, what we're seeing here are two photos of purported Russians walking through some corridor at exactly the same time, according to the timestamps, which is physically impossible given they do not appear together in the same photo. Photoshop, surely. Russia has also been memeing the Skripal poisoning, laughing at an image of the two suspected poisoners in Wiltshire by pointing out that if they are carrying Novichok, where are their hazmat suits? Mm. Indeed, they followed that jab up um, with a photo of chemical weapons inspectors dealing with Novichok, uh, who were of course covered head to toe in safety precautions. This is, however, all disinformation on Russia's part. The suspected poisoners wouldn't need hazmat soaked if the Novichok was in a sealed container. The photo of the precaution weaponed inspectors is based around them dealing with a contaminated site, rather than transporting the chemical itself. Yes, uh, but, more importantly, the, the photo of the two suspected poisoners isn't an obvious Photoshop. Um, it's security footage from the Gatwick non-return gates, which stand side by side. Um, and so when you think about that, it's quite possible that two men travelling together would pass side by side through two such gates at the same time. Um, indeed, the angles in both images are different, which indicates different corridors, which supports the UK's version of events, rather than Russia's. Now, none of this says the UK's story is the one true correct account, but it is telling that Russia is doing its best to cast scorn on that particular investigation by spreading disinformation. So a lot like the Litvininko case, I'm sure there'll be more to say on this soon. And by soon, expect a proper inquest in the next five to ten years. Yes, if the UK survives that long post-Brexit. 
But for now, that is enough news from us. After the episode, we will be discussing Denver Airport's remodeling and how they are poking fun at the conspiracy theories surrounding that remodeling. We'll touch upon the whole Xena Bash white power hand signal again and discuss Alex Jones and his termination not just from Twitter, but from the Apple App Store. That will be going up as patron content, which you can access for as little as a dollar a month via our Patreon page or the Podbean patron service. Just look for the podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. And that basically is the news. That is the news and, because of our brand new way of structuring things, that is the end of this episode. Uh, unless you happen to be one of our patrons, in which case you'll get a little bit more if you if you choose to listen to it. And what more you will get. We mm. don't know because we haven't recorded yes, it yet. But we're going to do that right now. We are. So, uh, to all of you listening to this main part of our um, podcast, we say, uh, Never quite sure what the difference between those two is, because again... Well, see, normally both with greetings and farewells, you'll need to say it three times. And so saying it in two or more different ways uh, as part of the reiteration. So say we go, Heidi Mai, Heidi Mai, Heidi Mai, mm-hmm. often saying no Mai and things like that. It's no. a way of kind of saying the same thing three times as is customary, but showing variance. I see. And all I know is Hairaga is what you say to the people who are departing, and Inohora is what you say if you are the one who is departing, but they both mean goodbye and different things. But as we are staying here... And all I can think of now is Beatles lyrics. You say hello, I say goodbye. Hello, hello, goodbye, goodbye. You're just trying to work into a reference to to John Lennon and Paul McCartney wanking at each other, aren't you? I am now. Oh, and one of the lights has just gone off, which indicates the episode is in fact over because they're turning off the lights around us as we speak. So we better rush before it goes completely dark. Goodbye. You've been listening to the podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. It is written, researched, and performed by Josh Addison, a.k.a. Monkey Fluids, and MRX Dentith, a.k.a. Conspiracism on Twitter. This podcast is available where all good podcasts can be found, as well as iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. It can also be watched on YouTube, Just search for the podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, or, if you happen to be technophobic, consult the auguries. You can support the podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy via our Patreon page, as listed in the podcast description, or just by searching for us on Patreon. You can also support us via the Podbean patronage system, if that is more your style. You do you. If you want to get in contact with us, why not email us at podcastconspiracy at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. And remember, it's just a step to the left.